Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Lewis Howes. He is an author, entrepreneur, and former professional football player. He hosts the podcast, the show, called The School of Greatness. And he has recently written a book that we're going to talk about today called The School of Greatness, A Real-World Guide to Living Bigger, Loving Deeper, and Leaving a Legacy. So, Lewis, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. Appreciate it, man. So you come out of the uh, the the powerhouse St. Louis Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, <laughs> Principia. What is it? Bearcats or something like Principia that. Principia Panthers. <laughs> Panthers. There we go. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> that that uh, yeah, the powerhouse school of three hundred and twenty <laughs> kids. Yes. You probably haven't heard anybody. Uh, no, nobody else you've interviewed, uh, I bet, has referenced. No that. one has said that. I'm surprised you have heard of it. Before. Well, you know, you, you, I'm a pro. I do my research. You know, that's what that's what separates us from the others. You know? <laughs> and you're also in Kansas City, which is about four hours away. Yeah, that's so right, because it's near London, Chicago, or something, or Southern uh, it's, Illinois. It's in Southern St. Louis. St. Louis. Oh, it is in St. Louis. Okay. Yeah, yep. All right, yep. cool. So, did you have fun writing a book? Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of fun. It's been a, it's been like an eight year journey, a dream that I had about eight years ago after reading the four hour work week, believe oh, yeah. it or not, I was like, one day I'm going to learn how to do some stuff and teach people some stuff so that I can have the opportunity to write a book that inspires people the way this inspired me. And, uh, that's where I'm at now. So it's been a fun journey. Well, and it's interesting because um, you started out doing the School of Greatness show. Maybe, maybe you thought I'm going to do this whole bunch of episodes of this show, and then I'm going to write a book. But I'm guessing that it happened a little more organically than that. Yeah, I didn't think I'm going to do a podcast that's going to turn into you know this big book opportunity and this book book deal and all this stuff. But uh, when I did the podcast, it was almost three years ago. I started it. You know, I moved mm-hmm. to LA for a girl, and the girl didn't work out, and I was kind of frustrated. And I just sold my company, and I was like trying to figure out what to do next. And I was sitting in LA traffic. I don't know if you've ever been here, John, but I was sitting in LA traffic for hours every day, and mm-hmm. I was just like, "There's got to be a way to tap into this where people are stuck in their cars." Yeah. And as podcasting at that time, 2012, was kind of getting more mainstream. Uh, it kind of made its comeback. I know you've been doing it since like 2001 or something, but uh, you know, as it was kind of getting more mainstream for for me, I was like, maybe there's something to this. And I saw a couple of buddies doing it, Pat Flynn and Derek yeah. Halpern, and I was like, these guys can do it. I could probably figure it out. And uh, and it took off. And then people just wanted more and more, and they wanted me to create courses and do events. And okay. and then I got a great opportunity to do a book, and that's where I'm at. So what prompted? And maybe this was just maybe maybe the answer is you just you did a show you'd want to listen to. But what That's prompted it. you to kind of kind of say I want to do this topic or this approach or these guests? It's interesting because originally I was like, well, maybe I'll just do like an online business or right. entrepreneur type show because selling I'm, with LinkedIn. Or something. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, something like that. And I was like, because I'm pretty good at that and I've got that expertise and I you know have the relationships. But I was like, you know what? I just don't think I would want to do that in a year or two. Like I don't yeah, think I yeah. I don't think I'd get off the couch to do that because. I don't know. I just was like, I would rather do something that is more inspiring. Like that stuff's fun yeah. and I like talking about it, but it's not like if I'm going to do it every week for years, what's the thing I would do? And I was like, to be honest, I just want to connect with the most spi- inspiring people in the world and hear about how they did it. Yeah. And, that, and that's essentially the description of the show. That's right? it. That's yeah. it. You know, I try to find the most unique, interesting, inspiring people, influencers, celebrities, authors, doctors, scientists from all walks of life and ask them how they became great and what the lessons of greatness are 
And uh, that's that's how it's come about. And that really allowed you, at least the way the book's structured, you took a lot of those insights and interviews and kind of structured them around yep. habits and, and exactly. practices that you know you're able to then put in these you know eight kind of core sections of the book. Exactly. You know, I was a lot of these interviews were great for me because it was reaffirming what I was doing that worked well when I was an athlete and what worked well when I was building my business. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I did. Okay, cool. I'm glad I did something right. And then there were some new principles that I learned about and there were some other things that I already knew but weren't doing that well and learned the tools on how to make them better. So I put together these eight principles that were the common threads and then used exercises and tools from my sports background to business background to how you can apply it to your life. So we'll talk about some of the greatest hits because you've been doing it for a while. Um, but I, I want to get right at um, from your own because I think this is one of the greatest things about this, right? You put on this show, it entertains people, it inspires people, but you also grow personally. I think yes, and, and I feel like I've done that for years or, or really every day. Get up and do a little of that. What's what's kind of a, a lesson that you extracted from somebody that you think kind of maybe it surprised you? It went, it was different than what you were expecting. That's a great question. I mean, uh, let me think. I'm going to make you dig deep into it. Yeah. I got a few of these questions. I know. That's good. (laughs) I think, um, or maybe it just could even be a guest. Like you were like, wow, that, that, (laughs) that's really someone, someone who really inspired me was a guy named Kyle Maynard early on. He's a guy that was born without arms and legs Mm. and, he owns a CrossFit gym, does CrossFit. He climbed Mount Kilimanjaro on his – he has essentially like – he's got no legs. He's mm-hmm. got little like nubs below his waist and he's got arms to his elbows. So he army crawled up a mountain for 12 days <laughs> and you know he's a New York Times bestselling author. He lives an incredible life. And when I interviewed him, I was just like, here's a guy who is literally half my size – because he doesn't have arms and legs and is so happy with his life and he's got no excuses for going after all these things he's doing and some days I complain because I'm tired and I'm like it just it was a great reminder that you know we are so blessed and that being grateful for what we do have not with what we don't have or what we're lacking is important that was one that was great early on then more recent one was a guy named Rob Bell who has built one of the largest churches in America years ago and then now he's off like touring with Oprah he's a spiritual pastor and just to kind of hear his ideas about how the world works and faith and spirituality and religion just kind of talking freely and openly it was it was it was cool to just think differently and hear different perspectives so for me everything is a great reminder to think bigger and be open about what's possible you um have a lot of guests to talk about you know, the vision that they have for their life or, yes. or some vision that they got because they overcame adversity. And of course, that's the really one of the first principles is this idea of creating a vision. Um, how has how have these interviews in some ways kind of shaped your vision for your life? Oh, man, it's it's been great because I feel I feel blessed that I have these incredible, <clears throat> incredible examples of integrity and love and inspiration. So for me, I just feel like I, I, I try to live through osmosis to gain like a little bit of these insights and a little bit of their personality so I can apply it to being a better human and having clearer focus. You know, I learned some of the top tools about being more productive, about letting go of 
energy that isn't working for you and being really focused on your vision. I mean, for a lot of years, I just wanted to do it all. I wanted to do a little bit of everything, and that's what I got. I got a little bit of everything. But now I'm much more clear and focused with specific visions and specific goals, and I put a lot more energy and time to those things so I can have a, a deeper and bigger impact on them as opposed to a little bit of everything. And that's what I've enjoyed about it. So um, another theme that runs through this book is adversity. Yes. So, and I, I'm going to ask you a question that maybe is just going to be an opinion. But sure. I, I wonder sometimes, I mean, how many stories do you see of people who achieve greatness because of what they had to overcome? And, and then you wonder about those people like, you know, I always say, you know, growing up, my hardest decision was whether or not to have creamy or chunky peanut butter. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I wonder, is it, is it possible to really accomplish greatness without kind of having the opposite? It's interesting, right? Because some of the greatest minds, athletes, people in the world, they have some crazy horror stories they've overcome or some adversity, right? They were, their parents were killed when they were younger. They were an orphan. Uh, you know, they were sexually or emotionally abused or a combination of all of them. And those people either overcame them and rise to the top. They used it as fuel or they were stuck and they, they stayed, you know, at that level as a victim for the rest of their lives. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, a lot of these people I interviewed, they went through some extreme things either externally or internally. But I think it's possible to still achieve anything you want as long as you're so committed and have a deep sense of why with your vision. If the why for your vision is so powerful or so important, you could have the greatest childhood, the greatest life, but maybe you see, I don't know, kids getting killed in another country and you just think that is the most unfair thing in the world and it's going to be my mission because I had such a great childhood that I want all the children in the world to have the same experience as me. And, you know, if you have a strong enough why, I think you can be so committed to the vision and overcome any obstacles that come your way. You just have to be so rooted in that why. Otherwise, you're not going to want to get up early and stay late and work hard when the hard work comes towards you. Um, you had a, I mentioned in the introduction that you're a professional, former professional football player. You had an injury that uh, sort of took that away. Yeah. Um, did that adversity in your life, do you think, uh, play a, a role in shaping where you are today? Absolutely. I mean, for two years after that, I was kind of like down in the dumps and living on my sister's couch, recovering, trying to figure out what am I going to do? I just had no clue what I was going to do next. There was no backup plan. I didn't know how to make money. I never had a job before. I was just playing sports all the time. And I was really intimidated and scared to make money because I just didn't know who was going to pay me for anything. I didn't have any skill sets. So what I did early on was like, I am going to sharpen and learn and add as many tools to my human humanness as possible and i was like okay we're all the things that i am not good at i'm gonna go become great at those things so i took a public speaking class i went every week for the first year and practiced and giving a speech once a week for a year i started salsa dancing i started learning languages i started like reading uh blogs and watching videos and going to conferences to learn things i was just soaking up consuming as much information as i could to try to become an expert at something and um, I think I think I realized that like I can either be stuck here in Ohio working some crappy job miserable 
or I can start to learn some things and improve myself and see what I can make of it. Maybe I make money, maybe I don't, but at least I have some skills to make of it. And I think having my back against the wall, sleeping on my sister's couch, not making any money, feeling worthless was a great motivator for me to do something because I wasn't comfortable. And I think if I was comfortable, if I had a steady job or something, maybe I wouldn't have been as driven. So that adversity and kind of like to prove something of myself really launched me forward. You're a good looking guy. I'm thinking salsa dancing could have been a backup plan. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm a, I'm a tall white guy though, so I had to learn how to not have two left feet. <laughs> Another thing you talk about in the book is the fact that your older brother went to prison when you were a child. Yeah, when I was um, eight. But you also talk about that having a positive impact. How so? Absolutely. He, you know, it was crazy because you know, growing up in a lower middle class white suburban neighborhood in Ohio, small town Ohio, you didn't hear about anyone else going to prison unless it was on TV or. You know the movies, so it was a shocker that it happened in the first place. And I just learned so much about life in those moments because every weekend we would drive two hours to the prison to visit in the visitor lounge, um, and it was just a crazy experience as an eight-year-old to be in a room full of convicts every weekend and uh, and go through that process of the pain they were feeling and the stories that I would hear. It was just mind-blowing, but. Yeah, it really shaped me to say, like, listen, I don't want to make any stupid decisions. I don't want to make the same mistakes that my brother made. Uh, you know, I've never been drunk in my life. I just never really decided. I was like, drugs and alcohol is just not even worth playing with because he went, you know, he went to prison for selling drugs to an unrecovered cop. And uh, I was just like, there's no point in me doing this. Like, it's not going to serve me. I saw how bad it is, even if you're not doing, like, hard drugs or anything it's like it just didn't serve me so i i made commitments to myself i was like it's just not something i want to do it's you know i want to i want to make sure i make something of myself and not be stuck in this prison literally like my brother so it shaped me and it also shaped me after he got out i mean he completely was uh, he was never mad he was never angry about going to prison he was like this is what i get and i'm fully responsible and he transformed his life to become the number one jazz violinist in the world afterwards. And he's constantly giving back, constantly serving the community, teaching at schools, uh, jazz violin. And it's cool to see that, hey, even when you think everything is over, like I couldn't think of a more low, embarrassing, shameful thing to happen to someone. Like if that happened to me, I would probably be like, I don't even know if there's anything left for me to do in life. And he was there for four and a half years. And then he got out and he's completely turned his life around to inspire so many people and make you know a full-time business out of it, has a family, has kids. So it's cool to see that, hey, even if you mess up, even if you're in your worst nightmare that could happen to you, you still could turn it around and do something great. That's a really awesome story because, of course, you know, as I listen to you, I mean, that's – he had an impact on you on what not to do, and, and certainly I think it sounds like a, a great impact on what to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so really, really brilliant. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're, you're, you're an athlete. You're a current athlete. I keep calling yep. you a former football player, but <laughs> you're a current athlete, um, and your physical plant you know, has a lot to do with, I, I think, success, and that's certainly one of the principles. I mean, whether you're 
somebody who's you know, trying to run, trying to participate in a decathlon or just trying to make sure that you can get through this thing we call entrepreneurship. Right. Um, a huge part of the <clears throat> puzzle, isn't it? Exactly. I, I think Richard Branson, when someone interviewed him one time and said, what's the key to being a great entrepreneur or making a lot of money or something around those lines, he said, exercise. Yeah. And I was like, really? It's interesting that a billionaire would say the key to his financial success is working out and exercise. And I think it's true, though, because we have to make so many decisions as entrepreneurs. We have a lot happening. We have teams we're growing. And if we don't have the energy to make clear, proper decisions, we're going to make bad ones. And it's because of our health. If our health is out of alignment, we're setting ourselves up for failure as opposed to uh, the opportunity to make clear decisions and to have the energy to work smarter and harder and longer and um, and just be happier around people throughout the day. You know, we're not as lethargic and slow. And the excess weight is exactly that. It's weight that holds you back from your greatness. Who are a couple of the folks that uh, have had the biggest impact on you, um, whether I've been on your show or not? I'm just curious kind of who, who you consider your mentors, whether you've ever met them or not. You know, I, yeah. I have, I have people that I feel like have been mentors to me just because I've been able to consume the, their body of work. You know, there's a guy named Stuart Jenkins who was a mentor of mine when I was back in high school and college, and he, uh, and still today, he is the is an inventor, but he was also the headmaster of my school, and now he's the vice president of a billion dollar brand called Deckers, which owns a number of different shoe brands, including UGG and Teva, mm-hmm. Teva, and uh, a lot of other shoe brands, and he's just been a he's like a solid, just like most integrity human being ever met and it's just great to see you know he just kind of is a great moral compass for me whenever i have decisions to make he just really guides me in a in a, in a great moral way and i like having a mentor that keeps me grounded and, and supports that i would say that uh you know tim ferris was a, a mentor early on who who's now become a friend and um you know someone that i've been inspired by lately who i haven't met is uh the rock. Hmm. I, th- I think the guy is just like constantly putting positivity into the world in his work and his message online and how he's able to create so much good content blows my mind. So it's cool to see that a guy who was a struggling, you know, he was a college football player who didn't make the NFL, who transformed his broken dream into going after wrestling who transformed that and realized I can't do this forever because my body's not going to be able to make it into let me try acting and worked his butt off to, you know, maybe he's not an Academy Award winner, but he's like, you know, he makes people laugh and he does a good job to build a business and a brand around it. I, I find it very fascinating how he's reinvented himself. So you've done now, uh, what, a couple hundred interviews? Uh, probably like 180 interviews with yeah. 230 episodes. Okay, 230 episodes. So who are your top three guests that you've had on the show and you're just the uh, new Yeah, I would say I, one of them has to be Tony Robbins because yeah. that was just a, a great interview and it really kind of – it also kind of like launched my podcast on a whole other level when I had him on just yeah. from the amount of downloads and everything. So he was great. Um, I would say Scooter Braun. I really enjoyed hearing his story. He's the manager for Justin Bieber. He discovered Justin Bieber on YouTube and built the empire that he has. And uh, hearing how he 
did that whole thing just blew my mind and how he's built a brand around it. And then I would say, hmm, I really like uh, Rob Bell, the spiritual spiritual leader who just kind of like shook it up a little bit. Who just you know wasn't about business; it was more about big thinking and, and possibilities. So those would be three big ones. So fortunately, uh, we have the technology to edit um, these podcasts uh, because uh, you know I was on your show. Louis. Uh, I was going to say you and, for three. Yeah. I was going to say you were three. And, you know, I gave you, like, I sat there quietly, said nothing. But well, uh, fortunately, I, for, fortunately, we can edit these, and you, know, you can go back and, and, you know, take Tony Robbins and toss it, okay? Exactly. All right. So, hey, I'd like to give you a chance. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking with Lewis Howes. We're talking about the School of Greatness. You can find greatnessbook.com. But I also want to I, I love it when people incorporate uh, some of their giving back uh, in, in the work that you're doing. Doing with pencils of promise. I wonder if you yeah. want to maybe talk a little about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've always w- wanted to give and I've always wanted to serve and I just didn't know how to really do it in a bigger way. And as I started building my business and I started to make a lot more money and have some extra money, I was telling my partner at the time, I was like, you know, we got to find something that we both believe in a big time and either do it ourselves or start supporting and giving money and just promoting to start giving back. And we were both talking, we're like, let's build like schools for kids because, you know, that sounds like fun. And school for me was really hard, but I was grateful for the opportunity. And I was just like, let's give kids opportunities. And uh, we were talking about it for a while, trying to figure out how we're going to do it on our own, like making our own schools and where we would do it. And then I met Adam Braun, who launched Pencil of Promise. And I saw that he had a great infrastructure and he was already doing it at a high level. And I was just like, let me support what he's doing because I can help bring more attention to an organization than trying to start something on my own right now. And um, so I you know, partnered with him. I built a number of schools. I'm on the advisory board, so I'm constantly bringing in other donors to help spread the word and, and build schools. And it's, it's amazing. I feel like if you're an entrepreneur, you, everything you do should have some type of give back component, whether that's to a charity or to your own audience where you're, you know, giving away something or or whatever it may be. But I feel like what's the point of just making everything for ourselves if we're not at least contributing something or attaching it to something in some way throughout the year? So I think it's just something we should all think about. You know, it's um, it's interesting, and I don't have the, the, the research to source here, but I, I heard somebody talking uh, at a startup uh, conference, and, and one of the statistics they cited was that, Actually, on average, I mean, there certainly are lots and lots of, of exceptions to this, but on average, entrepreneurs, because you factor in all the startups, actually make less than um, than the general population, just slightly less than the really? general population. Now, obviously, we know there's a huge range in there because they're counting people that are making zero, right? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, lots all, of people. <laughs> right, all the way up to. Um, but but then, interestingly enough, um, they, they actually contribute uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% more to causes that they believe in. And, and I think that that's, you know, I think that's a function of kind of experiencing that kind of freedom. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Lewis, great to catch up with you. Awesome inspirational read. I know it will do quite well, and I, I recommend that uh, people pick up The School of Greatness, a real-world guide to living bigger, loving deeper, and leaving a legacy. So, Lewis, thanks, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out down the road. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate it. <laughs>